when we think about the the fact of the word of God, there are times when we look into the word and we need to make sure that what we do is grounded in the word. While we have so much freedom and privilege in God's word, when we look at a movement that has kind of taken off and it has become big, huge, but yet there's no precedence in the word of God, we need to look and see, well, where does this practice come from? Why is this happening? And I'm addressing this issue as being slain in the spirit in normative practice. I'm addressing it by going to various scriptures in the Old Testament as well as starting next week the New Testament and looking at this. But there's no biblical precedence for being slain in the spirit where a person falls backwards once they're prayed for. They say they come into God's presence. The, the premise that I'm taking this from is that if we consider Moses and the prophets, we look at all of the followers of Christ that were in the presence of God or even of angels, there was a bowing or a, or a um, falling to the floor prostrate. To worship means to basically be prostrate before the Lord on one's face. And so when we consider one falling back because one is being prayed for, we don't find that in the Bible, but I said that we find an occasion or two when the people who did not know the Lord fell backwards. And uh, we're going to be addressing that um, on the radio. So if you're listening or if you are wondering what that is about, we are dealing with that because it is a movement that's often found in many churches. Many believers, many church, many people who know the Lord, but yet there is not, I believe, um, the, the grounding in God's word for this practice. So what we want to do is be sure that what we teach, what we preach, has a basis that's found in the word, especially when it's a very um, controversial issue and an issue that's very sensitive. We want to try to handle it with care, but yet we want to make sure that we stick to the word of God. We need to understand this as we get into the word. Our feelings do not dictate God's word, how we feel. Our feelings, is, our feelings are not the barometer whether God's word is true or not. God's word is its own barometer. It, it's scripture upon scripture, precept upon precept. So when we look at God's word, we get our interpretation from it. And, and while there's many books and different things that we go to for background and information, ultimately when we look at God's word, that's where the buck stops. That's the final authority. And so even though you might feel something, believe something, is it rooted and grounded in God's word? And again, there's some things where the Bible is silent, so we have, liber- we have some liberty in certain areas where the Bible may not, have, may not say certain things. Um, and so we have that freedom. So as you do your Bible study, as you do your, your devotion, you have the freedom to do many things in your own private devotion. But when we come together corporately, there is a particular context that, that the Bible, I believe, adheres to. Um, so I, I say that just to give some context. If something is to come up that you may hear or some questions that you may actually have. All right, as my dad and mom would say, all minds clear. <laughs> Turning your Bibles to the book of Matthew, chapter 6. We're going to deal with the first four verses today. And as you know, we have been doing this study of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. 
And we now begin this section in chapter 6. Would you stand with me as we pray? And I'm going to have you remain standing while we read these four verses. Lord, we thank you for the devotion today and the service thus far. Sunday school and the prayer this week and those that are able to carry on noon and the women that come out. We thank you for Wednesday. We bless your holy name. When the men gather together, we thank you for what you're doing. We thank you that you have given gifts and um, the privilege for us to be able to share our gifts with the body of Christ and ultimately for God's glory. You give the gifts and we recognize that we must give back to you. We do love you. And then as we break forth the word of God, we pray that you will give us wisdom and understanding, that you will bless us. Give us a mind to hear. We lift up, Lord, Bobby's mother and the whole family right now and during this time. Lift up the Hill and Hoshcloth family, that you will be with them and bless them. Brother Keitho and their family, his wife, we are praying for in a special way. Those that are dealing with sickness and illnesses, we lift up your holy name and pray for these individuals. We do love you. We do give you the glory and all the praise. Now bless the word. Bless the hearers. Keep us alert. In Jesus' name, amen. Matthew chapter 6, remain standing, please. Verses 1 through 4. I'll be, my reading will be a little bit different than what you see on the screen. It says, be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men, to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honored by men. I tell you the truth. They have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. While you're, you're standing about to be seated, please repeat this title with me. What Excuse me, watch what you do in order to be seen. Watch what you do in order to be seen. You may be seated. As we deal with this 14th part in our series on the Sermon on the Mount, we come to this, this passage, and if you are to look at this verse right through verse Verses 18, 1 through 18, actually, yeah, through 18, you will discover that there are three primary areas that Jesus um, addresses. As we go through just the first one today, because I wanted to deal with prayer and the, separate, and the fasting separately, so I was going to combine this first one dealing with alms, and prayer, but I decided that when I come back again that I wanted to address prayer separately. So that's why we're only addressing primarily the first four verses. To be a hypocrite means to be an actor. To play a part 
It was used of actors who were acting out a part on stage in a play. That is what the word hypocrite hypocrite basically means. It means you are an actor. Part of the definition comes from Dr. Butler, as I like to read. And when you think about actors, there are times when people, when they see a star, somebody who's, who's been a famous actor on TV, they see them somewhere in public, and the thought and the idea that comes to the person's mind, oh, that's such and such, and they are cast in that same light as one sees them on TV. That's not who they are. That's not who they are. That is a part that they are playing. Sometimes when we think about life, we sometimes play a part in life. And some of us can play a, can play a great acting part. I know some of y'all are good actors. I've been a good actor at one time. I can still play a little bit. I used to write, I used to write plays for the church. And we used to carry them out during Sunday school. There was one play. Y'all believe it or not, I stood up up on the ledge when we do baptism. And we were doing the scene of the cross. And I was standing up on that ledge, my arms stretched out. I was just playing a part. I'm not Jesus, y'all. I'm just in case I'm not Jesus. But we are people of God. But when you think about hypocrite, it means to play a part. When we see the word here dealing with the matter, I'm just going to just define a couple of things as we jump into this. When we look at the word alms, A-L-M-S, alms, it, it means basically mercy or to show pity. The Greek word is actually alms, and it is derived from a root which signifies that one is to show compassion or to be merciful. It should be noted that the alms, were specific to the needy. So when the Lord speaks of almsgiving, it is to those people who are in need. Let me also say this. When you look at the first part of Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 16, excuse me, let's take Matthew 6, 1 through 6, and then you have verses 16 through 18, Many commentators take those verses together because Matthew 1 through 6 and 16 through 18 brings together the three areas that Jesus covers. Alms, giving, prayer, and fasting. They make up that section. So there are many commentators when you are reading, they will bring together those three, Matthew 6, 1 through 6, in verses 16 through 18, because those are the three areas that Jesus brings out. These three areas primarily deal with the issue of pretentiousness, being pretentious. When I, when I used to get a, a spanking and a whooping, I got both. I got spanked and I got whooped. And I told y'all when I was younger, I had to sometimes go get my own my own tree not strap not 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 just a little go i had to bring the tree back they'll tell you there's a weeping willow tree so i actually had to get some some of the uh 
switches there. But, but I don't know why my mom liked to braid these things together. Get two or three of them and put them together. Why would you do that? So let, my, my goal and plan was to find the flimsiest ones I can find so that when they started, they would just break all the pieces. Two or three, that's it. I'm done. She had the nerve to tell me, go get me another one sometime. Get me another switch. And there I go again, back to get another switch. Now let me find on these thousand switches, which one am I going to get? And here I am surveying the weeping willow tree. I don't know why the Lord made that tree. (laughs) But when I would get spanked and get whipped, I would become the greatest actor. I sometimes would hit the floor before and the hand went up, I'd fall. And I tell you, I got out of some whooping sometimes because my parents were laughing sometimes. I was an actor. I was an actor. Because my goal was to receive the fewest amount of licks possible. Y'all ain't no different. Don't look at me strange. I know y'all the same. Y'all was running, jumping, hollering, and screaming so that you wouldn't get spanked or swatted. Now, for some of y'all who were able just, just to be talked to, well, God bless you. I was not one of those. I became an actor. Some people don't grow up. They remain actors even as adults. The point that we're going to address today is watch your focus. Watch your focus. The statement that Jesus makes in chapter 6, verse 1, the first two words, be careful. Take heed, some Bibles might even say, I suppose. Be careful. It is an imperative. It is an imperative statement, meaning that it is actually a command. So don't go running past that first, the first two words that Jesus says. He says, be careful. You need to stop before you go any further. There are many people today that they are not careful in what they do. They think they're careful. They may look around to see if anybody's looking, but they're not careful because their intentions and their plans is to do something that they should not be doing. When the Lord says, be careful, it is a command that he is giving to the people that's listening to him and to his disciples because he has something that's going to follow and they need to give special attention to it. So he starts within the imperative and says, be careful. Now, this is not something that you can just look at lightly. We know first that there is the caution in the command. In the command, be careful, it means that you are needing to be cautious about what the Lord is going to say. You see, Jesus has a way of saying something because he knows what he's talking about. I, I, I know there are some people who really think that Jesus does not know what he's talking about because they're always questioning him. They're questioning him because they say, Lord, you must not have all the details. You must not know what you're talking about. I, you see, I see things this way. And Jesus says, yeah, okay, I'm listening. And so I feel that it should be this way, Lord. And what do you say? I say, the Lord says, be careful. So there's a caution in this word, be careful. Be careful is one of those words that calls for us to give heed to something 
Because there is a problem that one is going to have to address. I have a bicycle. I don't ride it as much today. But one day, me and my daughter went on a bike ride. She had this little bike, and she had been asking me for a long time when she was younger, Daddy, can we go on a bike ride? And, and, and so on this particular Saturday, I said, sure, we're going on a bike ride. Now, now, when I go on my bike ride, this is where I go. I can go. I can do it. I can, I can, I can go. <laughs> so, okay, so she wanted to go on the route that I would go on. So we start off on the bikes, left the house, and as a good father I am, I'm trying to make sure that I'm watching and being careful as she goes. And so we get to this place of maybe about three miles from the house, and, and on the ground there, there's some gravel. Now, Cheryl hadn't been riding bikes that long, and I know that one has to be careful when, careful when they, they uh, ride a bike into gravel. So as we got to this place, I stopped and said, Now, Cheryl, be careful. In her mind, she's thinking, oh, Dad, what are you talking? And the bike turned over and she fell to the ground and started laughing. Because in her mind, she was thinking, oh, you just being too sensitive. You just being, you don't know what you're talking about. What was going through her mind when she told me later. But you see, I foresaw some things there in the gravel that when one is on a bike, one has to be careful because the traction is not very good. So when I said be careful within two seconds, the wheel turned and there she goes, falling to it. It was funny. I did laugh along with her. And do you not know that she remembers that to this day and laughs to this day? The caution was that I saw some things that she did not see, nor did she understand. You see, when Jesus tells his people to be careful, it is for our own protection and own good. Some of us just bypass whatever Jesus says and go right on and do what we want to do. We bypass the yield sign. I'm, I'm, I'm walking the other night and about to step into the street. The light and the for me was green. The sign said walk. There was a car not even near the intersection, just so close, came through, must not saw the red light, and ran through the red light. And, of course, our screen says, hey, I don't want to get too loud on the recording. What are you doing? My hands go up, hey. And the car behind stopped. Now, we have lights on, flashlights going. This car wasn't being careful. It did not see about three seconds before the light was red. Now, if I had done what I normally would just do by the time it starts to grow, just going to walk out, I would have been hit. Y'all would have been at the hospital with me by the bed, and we would have been having church there this morning. Yes, I would have prepared a sermon and would have y'all gathered around the hospital bed. <laughs> but the car ran past Ran through the red light. Now, we were also walking right before within the first mile. There was a gentleman walking across the street with two dogs. It was dark. And all of a sudden, we heard him yell. This lady at the, at the stop sign did not see him, even though she, he was right there in front. And she ran, and he screamed because he had dogs. And basically, could have gotten hit. Not being careful. You see, there are times in our Christian life where we're not being careful. 
We're not watching where we're going. We're, we're bypassing what Christ says. When Christ says that this is sin, we say, well, that doesn't seem too bad, Lord. I should be able to do that. I don't see the dangers in that. And so the Lord calls for us to be careful. In our spiritual life, this is a tedious walk, a, 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 a walk where we have to be so careful because we have a great adversary who's out to destroy us. And so you cannot go walking blindly down the street because you can be blindsided. If you're not watching and observing, looking around. You see, when you drive, it doesn't make a difference how great a driver you might be. It's the other person that you're looking for. What makes you a good driver is that you are able to observe what's around you and take precaution against other people. Tell me that how great you are. Here's somebody some barreling down through a red light and hit you. Yes, you might have been a great driver, but they weren't. And so you have to be careful and note that caution is not only for you, but it's also for those that surround. And so Jesus is saying that you need to be careful. This warning by Jesus must be seen as an area for the people that he's dealing with to focus on. As Jesus lays out this first caution, we note that, again, it is the first of three duties that was to be considered the most important to those in Judaism. It was one of the first three. So when Jesus is, a, is dealing with this matter of almsgiving, he is dealing with this matter because it was considered to be important for those Christian duties or those in Judaism. It was important. And so why does he pull this out? Because it's important. Now, we don't need to just, we're, we're focusing on this, the alms, but it can be any area of your life that one may need to be careful in. And so what he does, he pulls this out. And so let's get further into this. In Jesus' sermon here on the mount, we still note and see that there is a contrasting that is taking place between what he is telling the people and how they are to respond differently than the scribes and the Pharisees, whom he is calling hypocrites. He says, be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when he says this, the first caution in this is that your acts of service to the needy need to be done in such a way to where God is glorified and so that you are not seen. I know that we like to be seen. But we must understand that what we do is ultimately for the glory of the Almighty God. We should never forget that God calls us to a service unto Him. You're not serving yourself. You see, when the Lord was talking about almsgiving, there were people that were needy. There were widows. There were orphans. And it was customary to give alms to those that were in need. And so the Lord is not saying that you shouldn't do it. But when you see this need... You need to take precaution that you do it with the right motive. And not to be seen because the Lord says, if you do, that's all the reward you're going to get. Look at it what it says. You will have no reward from your Father in heaven. You know, I, I'm going to say this as we go through this here. I am convinced that some of us don't value the rewards of heaven as we should. 
I, I think that we don't I think that we think too lowly of God's rewards. Even though we live in this world, we are so focused on the pleasures of this world, the pleasures of this life, and what the world has to offer. This world will take good, give you something and take it right back. The world cannot give you joy. Money does not give you peace and satisfaction. It might help you feel happy, but if you're thinking money is going to solve all your problems, you are most mistaken because those that are millionaires, even billionaires, are still, many of them miserable, and still just lost. So when we think about the rewards that Jesus is saying, he's saying that these rewards that I have, they need to be prized. They need to be to you so valuable that you put a prize to it. You prize it as very precious. But what we are prizing are the things of this world. Ooh, I got my new Mercedes. Now, I'm not, I, ain't, I ain't talking about y'all who got Mercedes. I got myself an Eclipse, and I can be the and I like it. Like drive my little Eclipse. Like I said, I got to keep this cruise control on it so I don't have to have be racing down the road with the highway patrol trying to catch me. But we need to prize those things, and it is nothing wrong with enjoying these things. But we need to prize the value, the, the things that God gives. And so he says, when you do your almsgiving, when you get, show your acts of compassion and mercy, which again, which alms means? Acts of compassion and mercy, when you do it, have the right motive. Some people want to give and look what I'm bringing and, 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 and show everybody what I'm doing. The Lord says, don't do it. Remember, our motivation in this Christian life is so that people will be helped and that God will be glorified. Now, when we think about the matter of almsgiving, one needs to understand, and I know that I've said this and I'm going to repeat it. It does not mean because a mother is standing out there with her kids on the sidewalk with the sign that you have to give her money. You may. People are using different um, tactics today to get money. And boy, that one, that is one that will tug at your heart. With a mother standing up there with her child. She'll use them in that way at the time of the father. Now, there really may be a need. But that's not what this passage is talking about. It doesn't mean a person standing up there with a sign saying, God bless you. Feed me. Give me some money. John 1, 1, whatever scripture they might put on it. Don't mean that you are obligated to give them money because they're standing there. There was a great need at the time, and the Lord is speaking about, about those situations when the needy had some, had, had, well, those that were needy, they had a need, and those that had the capability and the privilege of being able to help, they were supposed to do it. There are people today that can stand out there all day long holding a sign. Now, the sign that says, we'll work for food, now those are some good signs. What would you have me do? Because they're saying, I'm willing to do some work. Again, I told you, I know some of y'all look past those people. You come to the stop sign, and y'all won't look at them. Y'all looking all over the place. Like you look in the back seat. What am I looking for? Papers back there? <laughs> I know we do that. 
You know what you should do? I'm going to give you something right now. Get some tracks. We're going to put some of our tracks back because we need to print out some of the things that we had done before. And when you come to a stop sign, hand them a track. You want to put a little dollar, a couple dollars in it? Fine. Hand them a track. They got signed, God bless you, say God bless you too, and hand them a track. That's, most what, that's, that's what they need. Now, some of the people do have some issues and some, some difficulties, but you have to be led. But it doesn't mean that you've got to feel guilty because the person you walk by, you don't, you don't help in that particular way. He says in verse 2, so when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites. And hypocrites mean what? Actors. Those who do in the synagogues and on the streets. You see, giving alms to the needy, it is a matter of being a figurative speech. This is figurative speech when it says announce it with trumpets. It is not speaking necessarily of literally blowing a trumpet, but it is saying that you, are, you should not announce it so broadly so that everybody sees. Now let me, do, let me say this. There was occasion that when a person or the people were being called for a fast, that trumpets were blown. But when the Lord is saying that you need to be careful and not to blow the trumpets, again, it's figurative. But there were times, as I was saying, where the trumpets were blown, and blown, and it was to call the people together for an assembly. You see that when some people give, they call together all of their friends, and they call a great party, they call a press release, release and they say, look at what I'm doing. And what is the purpose? So that they could be seen and can be seen for all that they do. You see, there are some people who won't give to the church unless their name is put on a plaque. I ain't giving unless I can see my name glowing in letters. Glowing. What's your motivation for giving? Is it to give unto God? Is it to give what the Lord has asked? Are you given because of a need? And this, again, is not even talking about tithes and offering. It is simply talking about those that are in need. Jesus was saying that you want to have a different response than the hypocrites do. They like to make a big deal of giving to the poor. But you should have the attitude that I'm going to do this and I don't want anybody to really know what I'm doing. There have been some people in this church that have come to me privately and said, I want to give something. Don't share with anybody else, or I want to do this privately. There are some people that have come to me at times, or called me, and have sat down with me, and said, I want to do this, and I want to do that, and give, but don't let anybody know. Why? Because they, they feel compelled that they want to give a service. And, and so, again, it does not mean that you give, you, your giving can't be seen by others. That's not what it's saying. Because there's sometimes there's no way not to give without being seen. But it is saying, what's your motivation? What's your motivation even in serving the Lord? Do you serve the Lord to be seen? Or do you serve the Lord to give honor and glory to his matchless name? Now the Lord says, now the reward that they are seeking is all that they're going to get. You see, when the hypocrites were giving, their primary reason so that was that people could look at them and say how wonderful they are. And the Lord says, that's all the reward 
they're going to get. Now, I want you to contrast this. The reward of the contrast that Jesus is making is that the reward that people give you and the reward that God has for you. There are some rewards that you receive now, but ultimately your reward comes when you enter heaven. There are rewards. Think about this. even the reward of going to heaven would be, far, would, be, would be great enough. Just to be in the presence of God and then on top of that, to be rewarded for the things that you do for him. Your mind is going to be so blown away for those who go to heaven. Your mind is going to be so blown away with how great God, the great things that God has for his people. The reward that those are going to see, because, Lord, how did I get this? Things that you don't even consider at times, don't even think about. God knows what it is. And you will be rewarded. The praise of men can be so fickle that if you don't play by man's rules, they want to take it away from you. You know, there are some times when kids will say, they get upset, I ain't going to be your friend no more. Get upset with one of them, and they say, I don't care. I ain't going to be your friend either. And three minutes later, there they are sitting down together playing. What are kids saying? I'm not going to be your friend no more. In other words, they want to be seen. They're making a statement that you're not doing it just like I want you to do it. I'm upset with you. You're not going to be my friend. So, so do you too. So do you three times. So do you four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten times. So, 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 so. It's sometimes funny to watch kids argue. They can be so cute. And like I said, a couple minutes later, there they are, sitting down, talking and playing again. Verse number three. Oh, let me go on with, with number two. Don't give as the hypocrites do in, in the synagogue, in the streets as they give. He says, he says, to be honored by men, I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. Now, in full means they have received everything they're going to get. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. There are two major thoughts that many commentators believe regarding this. One of the thoughts was that when it says, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, it was a way of saying, don't let anybody else know. Just do it in secret, just for yourself. Uh, God knows what's done so that everybody else doesn't have to know. Then the second issue, or the second way that this is looked at, it is looked at, don't even tell your best friend what you've done. You know how sometimes we have a good friend that we will share certain things with nobody else? The idea might even be in that you don't even share this with your best friend. Now, it does again. It doesn't mean you can't share certain things. But the issue is don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. That when you give, do it in such a way to where you're giving it and doing it from the heart. When Brother George prayed this morning that the Lord loves a cheerful giver. Do you know what that word and what the, that passage really means? It means that God loves uh, a hilarious giver. One that is just so hilarious and so joyful. I get to give. It's, it's offering time. God has blessed me. I get to bring my offering. I get to bring back to the Lord what he's given me. 
That's what it means. It's to be cheerful and glad and excited. Oh, Lord, what am I going to do? Got to bring this to the Lord. Oh, my bills, Lord. No, no. When we come, we come cheerfully and we bring and give. That's how our giving of alms is to be. When we do a service for the Lord, it should be joyful. Jesus didn't come to this earth and says, Dad, do I really have to go and die for them? I really don't want to do this. Look at them. They don't appreciate nothing. And want me to go die for them? Now, now, now get this. Some of y'all weren't even born, even before the creation. No fact, when the plan was made, nobody was. But I can imagine when the world's gone. I don't know. I, I, I tell you, I would have been having second thoughts. I'd have been thinking, mm, I changed my mind. You ever play those games where kids change their mind? They ain't going to go through. Thank God that Christ completes what he sets out to do. Because if he didn't come, we would not be able to be with him in glory. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give in such a way to where it is just between you and the Lord, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And some Bibles might even say, will reward you openly. As I bring this message to a close, we need to be careful as the Bible says, right at the beginning of the verse and at the end of the verse. Now, let me just say this. There are some people, if we're not careful, that we will start off very well, very genuine in giving to God and helping people. And, and during the course of our walk, we'll become distracted. We'll become very distracted. And we no longer are being careful. Remember this, when the Lord says, be careful... It was not a one-time thing that he was saying. He was given a command that as you're going through from the beginning, from the middle, you are constantly reevaluating. Because you know what? People's praise have a way of corrupting character at times. When you get praise from people, you may have started out with the best of intentions and very humble, but you get up there and then people's praise and then you just start expecting it. And then when it don't come, who they think they are? They didn't give me no recognition. And so we have to always remember that you've got to be careful as you work for God because there's a lot of self. Pride is ugly. Sometimes I've seen pride in myself. Oh, Lord, God, have God has a way of humbling people. We have to be so very careful all through this walk that we do, that when you give, that you are not looking for praise. You're not looking to just see what I can get. You are looking because there's a need. How many of you start? Because you know what? There is a need. How can I help meet the need of this individual? Are you currently upset with someone about not being recognized about a service unto the Lord? Are you bothered right now because you haven't been seen if somebody at your job is not giving you proper recognition your service in the church outside the church 
wherever you might be, wherever you might work, is a service unto God. And no matter what they might even say about you or to you on the job, you don't get recognized. Be careful. I was about to leave my job some years ago because I was upset. I, wasn't get, I didn't get recognized for something I thought I had done years ago. And I went out and started searching. Going to work someplace else. Here I am driving over to the city and going to these different places. And something come up and thank God. I didn't get some of the job I was looking for because I would have been outside of the will of God. And I had to let it reflect, what in the world was wrong with me? Because I thought I deserved something that really was meant only for God. Didn't recognize, didn't say even, thank you, I'm upset. And it started building, saying, yeah, you need to go ahead and try to find yourself in there. Yeah, you right, Satan. <laughs> Here I am, having this pity party to the Lord in my own best interest, my own best interest, closed doors. Because he saw down the road, boy, you out of place. This ain't where I have you. And as I reflect now and look back, oh, I thank you, Jesus. Thank you. You didn't open that door. And I got a call sometime later from the young lady who had said, you should try this. And so I went there. He got the interview and, and, and didn't get it. And she called me sometime later. I'm so glad you didn't get the job. I am miserable. And I'm thinking, thank the Lord. There are some doors that God closes that it is to prevent you from going down a path that you should not have been on or need to be going down. God will do that for you. And when you think about it, times when we get upset and bothered, it is because often we feel that we haven't received something that we feel we deserve. And if we reevaluate it all, we should say, God, you get the glory. Whatever may happen, my goal and my desire is to please you, not self. So when you do your acts of alms, don't be like the hypocrites who like to blow the trumpet, make a big thing out of, look at what I'm doing, and announce it in the streets, and announce it in the, in the synagogue where everybody is, and look at what the Lord has done, and I'm going to give. Come on up here, sister. Take this generous gift that, no, no. Sometimes that may be okay, but what's the motive behind it? You see, sometimes it needs to happen because some people don't know how to accept gifts. So sometimes people have to be given so that they learn how to be able, they can be given something to learn how to be able to receive it. Because some people have a desire to give, and so we have to be careful. Stand to your feet. Is there something in your life right now where you are upset because you haven't been recognized? Hmm. Is there something you're going through right now to where you think, ah, I, I ain't helping no more? 
I'm done. I'm done. Reevaluate. What is Christ saying? Your reward that God gives will never fade nor perish. The reward that's in heaven, think about it, you will have it throughout all eternity. God's rewards are permanent. His rewards are everlasting. And when the Lord says he's going to reward you, he has a way of opening doors and blessing you that you would not even believe. Yes, you would. You believe it because many of you have already experienced it. Here, and not only here, but he says, even in, even in heaven, there are some things that you're going to receive. And I'll say this final point. And when the Lord allows you to be seen, think about it. He's the one that's going to recognize you. He'll recognize you before those in heaven. He's the one that's going to say, look at this child of mine. And when the Lord does it, man, that is something to behold. When God pays you a compliment, that's what we should be working for is to please God. Stop trying to please people. We work to help people, but don't work for their praise. You can give it and take it. But when we do those things for Christ, man, what a blessing. Today, Lord, we are grateful to you for the privilege of being able to look at this passage. And as you are helping the people to look at it, to help them to see how they were to give their alms to the poor. And many of them had even more than likely been recipients of gifts and had even been the one where they had had the scribes and Pharisees boast about what they had done for them. Some of them were right there able to see, but God says, Christ says to them, don't do it to be seen by men. Don't be like the hypocrites, but do your service unto God. So today we are praying that we will have a new, we will have a new outlook, a new Lord revelation of how we are to do our work for you. We're seeking, Lord, your honor and your glory. We're seeking you to be lifted up. And we're looking for you, Lord, to say, servant, well done. Man can't put us in heaven. Man can't put us in hell. Man can't give us eternal rewards. Only that's reserved for the almighty God. So may our purpose and our focus be to be seen by God. To please the Lord, not to do it to the fickleness of mankind, but to love people, to serve and to help people, to help people to be raised to a new level in Christ, to be able to help people to see the Lord is your great reward. We honor you today and give you all the glory. In this place be exalted. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.